Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I'm your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I'm bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Yeah, hi, uh, my name is uh, Steve Morris. I'm uh, currently CEO of the Pharmaceutical Society of Australia. Um, thank you, Steve, for your time today. I thought I'd get some context as to your background for the quality use of medicines. Um, if you could tell me about your background from both Australia and the UK. Yeah, I suppose, look, I've always been passionate about uh, how you maximise patient outcomes through the safe, effective use of medicines or quality use of medicines. Uh, and how you also minimise the, the negative consequences potentially of medicines. And so I suppose in every role I've played, whether it be clinical in community, hospital, pharmacy, primary care, or say a policy role when I was um, chief pharmacist in South Australia, or in charge of health delivery systems, which have been in some hospital systems, and obviously in roles such as CEO of MPS Medicine Wise and CEO of Arthritis South Australia. I think constant through that has always been a kind of passion as to how you, you really maximise quality use of medicine. Uh, and it, it demonstrates how encompassing QUM is really. It's across both policy, service delivery and individual patient connection. We always talk, oh, we often talk about the quality use of medicines and medicine safety, but what does it mean to you? Yeah, look, I think the classic definition is around, you know, appropriate, judicious, safe and effective use. Um, but QUM, interestingly, is a, is a, is a uh, terminology specific to Australia. Nobody else uses the terminology quality use of medicines. And I've come to believe it's more of an ethos, really, um, or a framework in which medicines can be used more effectively. Uh, and obviously, the principles of QEM were developed both for individuals and for systems. Um, and so it applies across entire populations as much as it does apply to specific individuals. What is the current state of the quality use of medicines in Australia, and how do we know? That's a really good question. The uh, genuine answer is we, we don't really know um, because there are no currently nationally developed quality use of medicines indicators across the whole health system. Obviously, what we do know from reports such as the PSA 2019 report, Medicine Safety Take Care, was the impact of, I suppose, poor quality use of medicines in terms of you know, approximately 250,000 hospital admissions annually um, occurring at a cost of about $1.4 billion, and half of that care is um, preventable. So I suppose there, there are no, it's really hard to determine what the current state of play is. There are some indicators, so there's some used in the hospital sector, which uh, should have been in place for many years, uh, but not all hospitals probably utilise them. Uh, in aged care recently, there have been the quality measures which include elements of medicines management and polypharmacy. And if you look at that data, then it's demonstrated there has been, I suppose, a trend to improvement in terms of both polypharmacy and the use of antipsychotics. And obviously, the outcomes of individual programmes such as opioid um, stewardship and antimicrobial stewardship programmes. But there's nothing nationally really tells us what the state of play is. It's more that kind of evidence from uh, medicines misadventure that probably is, is pervading more than anything else. What do you think is important for patients and consumers in relation to the quality use of medicines? I think the, the most patients and consumers want to know uh, why they need to take a medicine, what it's for, 
um, and what they do when they suffer from adverse effects. You know, how, how do they make the most of that medicine and how do they ask the right questions and feel supported to ask the right questions? I think often consumers want more of pharmacy services and other health professionals than currently we're able to provide in terms of that level of insight and empowerment in terms of their own condition and the medicines that they're taking. Is health literacy an issue in Australia? Uh, health literacy is a big issue in Australia, um, much like most of um, developed countries, probably about 60% of adult Australians have a low level of health literacy. And it obviously has a massive impact in terms of that understanding of, of why um, people are taking medicines, to understand how they use them and obviously create the best impact for them out of using those medicines. So it's a real issue. And I don't think we're really often cognizant enough of health literacy, particularly as it, it applies to individuals in terms of taking into account their cultural um, um, circumstances and understanding of medicines. So even for pharmacists, I think we, we can often underestimate the level of health literacy and medicines literacy in our system. And we always should be cognizant of that. Are there ways that pharmacists can work around health literacy or any advice that you have for pharmacists? Oh, I think a lot of it's to do with making sure you listen to an individual, understand their own particular circumstances. So what people refer to as you know, person-centred care, you know, take into account the individual circumstances of a patient in every interaction that you have, and obviously try and communicate in a way which is understandable by people with a low health literacy. A number of things have changed in the last year or so in relation to the quality use of medicines landscape. Can you briefly remind listeners as to what has changed and why it is important? Yeah, a number of things have changed actually in the last last year or two. I mean, um, maybe the first one to focus on was a refresh national medicines policy in 20, which was released in uh, at the end of 2022. Um, obviously, the previous policy had been around for nearly 20 years, so it was due a refresh. And I think that, that policy is really refocused really on the person-centred approach I've already, already referred to and the need to collaborate and work in partnership with other health professionals um, to have an impact. Um, MPS MedicineWise um, closed down at the end of um, 2022. And obviously that stewardship role passed on to the Australian uh, Commission on Safety and Quality in Healthcare in terms of their expanding role in QM stewardship. Um, in addition to that, there's been a number of grants that have been provided by government um, to a number of organisations in terms of um, progressing some of those key QUM initiatives um, that are still needed within our system to improve QUM. What role do and can pharmacists play in quality use of medicines? Look, I think QUM is um, often expressed as a throwaway line, but it's probably central to a pharmacist's role. And probably obviously the core role of safe dispensing and associated counselling is is within the DNA of most pharmacists uh, and extends you know deeply into most professional activities that pharmacists conduct. Um, but I think um, pharmacists should be seen really as the custodians of, of med safety and quality use of medicines you know across the health system. Um, and increasingly that's occurring in terms of the evolution, I suppose, of scope of practice and pharmacists working across and integrated within the health system much more fundamentally than they perhaps have been in the past. So with a potential scope of practice changes for pharmacists, how do you see their role or how can pharmacists better prepare for changes or greater responsibilities with regards to quality use of medicines? 
Yeah, look, I think obviously the number of elements to that. I mean, I think um, self-care will certainly um, increase as a kind of initiative of pharmacists in a more systematic way. I mean, pharmacists obviously fundamentally are involved in self-care, but I think given the, the impact and nature of, of chronic disease within our health system, then the, the importance of self-care will increase and pharmacists need to be um, supported, uh, education and otherwise, to ensure that we are giving the best advice and support possible. Um, in terms of the extending scope, obviously around some of the prescribing pilots and um, supply schedule medicines and the specific training that's been provided uh, in support of those initiatives. Um, and obviously the aged care programme, which um, was announced last week that will finally um, be executed in the new year. So we'll start to see pharmacists working on site in aged care facilities, uh, probably in the middle of, of, of next year, which is fantastic. And obviously those increasing roles of pharmacists working in, in general practice and working with general practice and a number of PHNs are supporting that. So I think for pharmacists, it's about understanding, I suppose, the, the evolution of their roles and having a reflection on where their gaps in knowledge may exist and where they might require support to be able to um, play the best um, role they can as scope emerges. Right. You just mentioned the aged care announcement. Um, did you want to tell us a little bit more about the aged care announcement in case our audience hadn't heard about it and also where the quality use of medicines for pharmacists might be of a greater role in the aged care? Yeah, so obviously this was a, an announcement from, from a fair while back by government who um, made a decision to invest post obviously the reviews into aged care and what was identified as being um, poor quality use of medicines and medicines management in aged care facilities. So the government agreed that they would fund uh, what were called on-site um, pharmacists in every residential aged care facility. Uh, however, that, that program, although announced, um, was yet to be executed until a decision that was made a week ago, which announced that it would start to come um, into effect at the start of or the, the beginning of, of 2024. And so it will mean that uh, residential aged care facilities, should they choose to, will have the ability to have a pharmacist on site to hopefully have a greater impact on both kind of medicines governance, those wider aspects of quality use of medicines, but also on an individual basis with residents in those facilities. So there's huge opportunities also for pharmacists to make a much bigger impact on what is a really uh, concerning area, I suppose, of quality use of medicines and has been historically. What are the additional opportunities for pharmacists to make a greater impact? Look, I think just from what we said before, I think the, the extending scope of practice will undoubtedly mean that pharmacists have a greater role in uh, quality use of medicines and the increasing, I suppose, recognition of, of pharmacy, particularly community pharmacy, as an integ integral part of the primary healthcare system uh, and the increased potential for working in partnership in a much more systematic way with other healthcare professionals in the system. Are there any new initiatives that the PSA is involved in with respect, respect to the quality use of medicines? Yeah, look, apart from, I suppose, our ongoing support of um, education and CPD, um, PSA, I previously mentioned a number of grants that, that were put out by government um, maybe six to 12 months ago. And PSA is a member of many of those grants as a, as a collaborative partner uh, across um, both um, the um, medicines for insomnia and sleep um, 
initiative uh, and another consortium which is working on health literacy and professional education. So a PSA would be, I think over the next six to 12 months when those initiatives start to go live, um, people will see PSA being part of those initiatives, which is key. Uh, we're also partners in a number of MRFF research grants that focused on the quality use of medicines. And obviously we continue to invest in our medicine safety series, series the last report of which focused on mental health. And an uh, initiative that we hopefully will publish in early um, 2024 is Pharmacy 2030, which focuses on the future role of pharmacists uh, over the next few years. Brilliant. And do you have any final messages for our listeners with regards to the quality use of medicines? Yeah, look, I think I would reiterate that you know, quality use of medicines is everybody's business. And pharmacists play a vital and ever-increasing role in making a difference. Um, and to recognise that every interaction can make an immeasurable difference and impact on a patient. And that the biggest difference comes when we do collaborate with the healthcare professionals. And sometimes that's lost in the current debate around scope of practice between professional groups. Um, I think pharmacists can be leaders in QUM uh, and make it much more than a throwaway line. And I think overall, person-centred care and shared decision-making improve health outcomes and the safe quality use of medicines. That's not contestable. And with regards to 2024 and onwards, I guess I'd ask um, what sentiments you had for pharmacists going forward, because there's been a number of changes that have happened in the pharmacy landscape for yeah, 2023. Look, it's obviously been a very challenging year, particularly for those in the community pharmacy sector, and where there's been a significant amount of anxiety around what the future holds in terms of both for the profession and for those um, owning community pharmacy businesses. But there's also, I think, um, a high degree of optimism in terms of how the role of pharmacists will evolve over time as being significant players in improving quality use of medicines and health outcomes for patients. So whilst obviously there's still a level of anxiety because of um, things that happened last year, then I also think we should be optimistic that pharmacists in the future will be fundamentally part of um, healthcare systems and integrated probably more than ever in primary healthcare systems with a much, let's hope, a much extended scope of practice. Is there anything that I haven't asked you? Um, I don't think so. I, I just don't think people really understand what quality use of medicines is. Do you know what I mean? We talk about it, but nobody really understands what it means. This is what I'm trying to explain, I suppose. It's hard because nobody else uses that terminology apart from in Australia. But we talk about it all the time, but then we don't really talk about what it actually means. Yeah. Which is true. So I guess if you're going to think of some practical ways that people could think about integrating it into their daily work activities and, and making quality use of medicines more important or prevalent in their workplaces, would you have any suggestions with regards to that? Yeah, well, I think from an individual basis, I think it's to focus on things like medicines and health literacy as being a fundamental component because without that as an enabler for QUM then no matter how um, what level of therapeutics and innovation we're using in kind of um, medicines then unless patients really understand what the medicine's for and how to use it then we can often make little progress and I think pharmacists are the individuals that have the most contact with with patients um, and the most opportunity to make that difference and improve that kind of understanding of medicines. And you just think of the landscape now where, you know, if you just do a doctor Google, the amount of misinformation that exists on this on, in, in the system is enormous. So the ability of maybe pharmacists to counter some of that 
information in the system and give straightforward um, advice and support that's specific to that person and their individual circumstances, I think is a unique role that pharmacists can play in the health system and probably make the biggest difference to quality use of medicines. Brilliant. Um, you've brought something up. I haven't asked the question yet to anybody, but it is something. Um, I heard a figure the other day that was talking about influencers, that 35% of the public actually get their health information from influencers. It's phenomenal. Yeah, um, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, and how do you, so though there's, the, there's more information available than ever before and readily available, and you say advocated by influencers, um, <laughs> how, how do we kind of um, provide some evidence-based informed information to patients, which enables them to um, take better care of themselves? And I think, you know, pharmacists often come up as the most trusted health professional, which obviously gives pharmacists an advantage in terms of the ability to influence. Um, but for those people who don't ask questions, then uh, and seek their advice from influences that can be problematic. So it's um, the, you know, the nature in which pharmacists can often ask probing questions of patients, some of which don't want to be asked questions. <laughs> so, so I think it's an interesting in in narrative, isn't it? Is how do you do what you can to support patients, some of whom don't particularly that some of whom don't want to be asked those questions when they walk in the pharmacy. Um, so yeah, I think it's incumbent and organize, organize, you know, national organizations to do what they can to to work with other consumer groups to highlight you know, what are um, balanced, well-informed sources of information to support patients. Right, so the way to bring it around. Well, either that or you, you try to get an influencer who, you can, <laughs> who will uh, cascade your messages for you. And some people do that, obviously. And not not so much in, in in our space, but people have done it in other, I suppose, um, areas of um, areas of care. That's very true. That's very true. Yes, um, it's just a startling statistic that made uh, that made you kind of think. I heard it that people are getting information from so many different places that aren't vetted and um, and that we have a great opportunity to speak to patients and give them. Yeah evidence-based um, information that's relevant and understandable by them. Yeah, and I think that's the, that last bit is, is really important. The understandable by them sums it up because often as health professionals, we've, we've all done it. We've been guilty of communicating a language which is for other health professionals, <laughs> you know, and when you realise that, you know, the level of health literacy, medicine literacy is so low, then, you know, you have to be able to um, communicate in a way which addresses that. Otherwise, you know, whatever you say will just just you know miss its intent really. So, are there um, particular areas of care where quality use of medicines um could be a bigger consideration? Yeah, I think there. Are, I think we, we, for many years we've been concerned about transitions of care um, between, um, particularly from the acute sector to primary care, but also to residential, residential aged care facilities. And all the evidence suggests that, you know, um, there is often poor quality use of medicines when patients um, uh, discharge from hospital into, into primary care and how those messages are both communicated, but also how they're understood by, by patients. 
And that's a problem that we've known about for many, many years. Uh, we tried a number of interventions to try and address that issue, many of which have failed in, you know, in multiple health systems, not just in Australia, but, but beyond there. And so I think it's a, a one of those very difficult challenges that we have to do what we can as health professionals to address those issues and some of them are system-based issues. Um, but, but the concept, I suppose, of clinical handover is a common um, concept within within the hospital sector it's how we we think about that concept in terms of of pharmacists working across those transitions of care to ensure that you know um the work that's done to improve qm within the hospital is not is not lost on discharge just because of poor communication or poor cognizance so i think we're, we're making multiple attempts and um, some of the MRFF grants that I talked about previously on quality use of medicines are focusing on what, what in, in a practical sense can you do to to improve that current situation on poor transition of care leading to poor quality use of medicines. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJP Podcast and send us a message.